spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, in the seventh month of the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaiming with a blast of trumpets, and <laughs> trumpets, a holy convocation you shall not do any ordinary work and you shall not present a food offering to the Lord. That's the sound of the shofar. The shofar is a ram's horn and uh, it was used on the Feast of Trumpets. And it was blown uh, as a reminder that the feast was beginning and their time of rest was beginning. And we have been looking at the feasts uh, over the last couple of uh, weeks here. We have covered four of the seven major feasts in the Old Testament here. And these were instituted by God as a picture for us about the great plan of salvation that was fulfilled in Jesus. And as you can see on the slide here, uh, there are the spring holidays and there are the fall holidays. And you wonder, okay, what about the summer holidays? What happened there? They had this lar uh, long period of time where they didn't have uh, any feasts. Now many scholars believe that what God was doing there in regard to those summer feasts was uh, he was showing that there was going to be a period of time of silence or a period of time where the Jews would not be uh, dealt with specifically. And so what we see in that is we look at that, there's the time where God was specifically dealing with the Jews in the Old Testament. And then we saw this time where the Gentiles became the focus. In fact, we are still in that time of the Gentiles. Okay, and so when we look at uh, the way that Paul went out and he began to uh, interact with the Jewish people, um, we see that he was going to the leaders of the church first. We see this in Acts 18, verses 5 through 6. It says, When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garment and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, this doesn't mean that God was finished with the Jews as a people. And in fact, this major focus of the Jews resurfaces in a lot of the apocalyptic writings. Books such as Daniel, the Thessalonian books, uh, the letter to the churches in uh, Revelation. And after this series on the feast, we are going to be looking at uh, the Jews as a people for three Sundays. We're going to be looking at uh, this concept of the chosen people. We're going to be asking the question, whose fault was the uh, crucifixion? And we're also going to be looking at God's unfolding plan with the Jews in regard to the end times. And so we have seen how God brought us peace in those first three feasts. Okay, we saw God's justification of us. We saw uh, his uh, power that came upon us at Pentecost. We saw the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was focused on sanctification, clearing out the leaven from our lives. 
And so now we are looking and shifting to the fall feasts. And these fall feasts are collectively known as the Feast of the Tabernacles. Okay? This was a time when all males uh, in Israel were to go up to Jerusalem and they were to build these tabernacles, or these tents, really, in the wilderness. And they were to go out there and live in them as a remembrance of the time in the wilderness that the people went through. And so there, the harvest is over, and they have gathered in the harvest, and they are enjoying the reward and the rest of their labor. And this is also the time of the civil new year, which is called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. And this first feast that we're going to be looking at today is called the Feast of Trumpets. This was a feast that was to be celebrated with great joy. And we see in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah where they're celebrating this, this is when the reading of the law occurred and the reestablishment of the covenant took place at this Feast of Trumpets. Nehemiah was uh, in the last wave of those who returned from the captivity in Babylon, and he's given charge by God uh, for the rebuilding of the walls, uh, for Jerusalem and the temple there. And when the law was read aloud, the people began to weep and mourn. But in response to that, he says, This is a holy day to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's from Nehemiah 8. Now during this feast, two silver trumpets were blown. Uh, they were giving an offering. Uh, they were giving this before Jehovah. And many times when we think about trumpets, especially in relate, uh, relation to the Old Testament, we think of battle. Okay? We think of the people going out and these trumpets being blown. We see this, in fact, in the fall of Jericho, right? And so God is there with his people. They're facing this foe that seems to be impossible to overcome, this fortified city. They didn't have siege works. They didn't have catapults. And so what does God tell them to do? He tells them to go and march around the city uh, for seven days. And then at the end of that time, the trumpet blast is blown, the priests are there, the people give a great shout, and the wall just comes falling down, right? And so when we see this uh, fulfilled in Jesus, we see one of the most common themes throughout the Bible is that God is a man of war. He's making war against his enemies. He's making war in both the Old and the New Testament. He's not a passive God but rather he's a God who fights on behalf of his people. He fights on your behalf against your enemies. And he's not hesitant to come in against those who defy him in stubbornness and wickedness. In Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16, we see that Jesus is truly the head of the army of the Lord. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, that's how we know it's Jesus, and the name by which he is called the Word of God, again, Jesus. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on the white horses. 
From his mouth came a sharp sword, which will strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now that sounds very terrible, and anytime you see a movie that has apocalyptic things in nature, everybody's in pain, things are going on on the earth, there's you know, wars and famines and all of these kinds of things. But I want you to note that for the people of God, this is not a day of sadness. This is not a day of horror for them. Rather, this is the day that they have been waiting for, the day that they have been longing for to be able to enter into their rest. And I want you to think about your own life, okay? Many of you who are young, maybe you haven't experienced some of the things that those of us who have put on a few decades have. But there are many days where I think, okay, Lord, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. Let's end all this and go and be with the Lord. Because life here has many battles. There are many things that we face that are difficult. And we want to, we long to enter into that rest. Resting from the things of this world. Entering into the peace of God. Entering into our eternal home. And so, this fulfillment that we see in Christ at the Feast of Trumpets is this Jewish New Year. A new year for his people. A new era. Where this age has passed. And now we are entering into this eternal era with the Lord our victorious and conquering king, comes to give his people rest. Paul speaks about Jesus in this way in Colossians 2.15. It says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And so when Satan is finally defeated in the end, and by the way, he is defeated, but he's still here, right? <laughs> He knows that his end is in sight, but he's still actively working in this world. But there will come a day when he will cease to work, where he will cease to oppose God's people. He will cease to have an influence over your life. And we're looking forward to that. And in fact, the Bible tells us that when we see Satan uh, defeated, we're going to look and say, is this the one that caused so much trouble over the earth? Shaking our heads. And notice when Jesus comes back, it's such an easy victory. There's not a bunch of warfare and people dying. The word of his mouth goes forth and he accomplishes what he desires to accomplish. And so how do we look at this Feast of Trumpets and apply it to our lives personally? Well, when we apply this feast in our own spiritual journey, we see how it fits the progression. Okay? First of all, we see justification, right? In the Passover. We paint the blood of the Lamb over our hearts and the angel of death passes over. And then we see the progression into sanctification where we're clearing out the leaven by the power of the Holy Spirit from our lives and trying to live holy lives before the Lord. We see it in Pentecost where the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us to live a holy life and to defeat our enemies. And then finally, we see it uh, here in this feast, in the fall feast, where we come to rest. We're given rest. And we are mainly given rest from our own works. 
This was the big aha moment for Luther. Luther grew up under the Catholic umbrella. He was in a monastery. He was trying to work out his salvation by his own power, by his own disciplines. And he recognized that all of that work was as filthy rags. Even the good stuff that he was doing was as filthy rags before the Lord. Meant nothing in regard to his relationship with the Lord and his justification. And so at that time, he recognized that it was only in Christ that he could do these things. Only by the power of Jesus. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this becomes even more clear for us when we think of the analogy of a battle, right? When we go to war for the Lord, the scripture tells us in Exodus 14, 13 14, through 14, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, and stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Well, Pastor Scott, does that mean I just don't do anything? (laughs) Just sit around and watch God do all this stuff? In a way, yes. I mean, you're still living your life and working out your life, but Christ is going before you. He is defeating your enemies in front of you. And that is an amazing truth that we need to rest in. It's not by my exertion. It's not because I did it so great or perfectly. It's because God is merciful. He loves you. He wants to defeat your enemies. But many times, we don't even think about that. We're like, okay, how am I going to fix this problem? And how many times do we go to the Lord in prayer about something that's in front of us? And ask him, okay, Lord, I don't see a way here, but you need to make a way. You need to fix this in front of me. And stop working. Just stop for a minute the thing that you're doing to try to fix it. Step back for a moment and take a time and say, okay, Lord. Because time is a great healer. Time is great because it allows the Lord to do things in your life. It allows him to begin to move people around. It allows him to open up doors where they were closed before. And so if you're facing a situation or a problem where you don't know what to do, Don't just do anything. (laughs) I'll just do this, I guess, right? No, stop and don't do anything. Just wait for a bit and see the way that the Lord opens up the doors before you. You know this working that we do? I think this is why so many Christians become discouraged. I think this is why so many Christians quit (laughs) being Christians. I think this is why so many ministers quit because they're resting on their own Charisma, their own thing, whatever to get them through the day. Well, if I do this, this, and this, XX, and then it doesn't happen, and we're like, what happened, Lord? I thought, you know, if I did these things, you would make a way. And because we're so much in our own power, we don't see the work of the Lord. We don't see his amazing battles. Reducing those things down so that God can actually do the work for us. Notice that we see in the situation with Jesus coming back, the people that are with him, which by the way is us, you know, we go up to be with the Lord, get on some horses, come down with him for the battle, right? The hosts of heaven, we're part of that. We're part of that last great battle. But we don't even break a sweat, it's the Lord who does the work. He's the one that's doing it. 
And so if you're feeling exhausted, perhaps you're thinking of Jesus in a wrong way. Maybe you're thinking about him as this vindictive person who's up there frowning down on you, always mad about the things that you're doing, getting upset with you, never satisfied with who you are, always feeling like you could just do better. If I could just do better, he would like me a little bit more. If I could quit doing this thing, he would like me more. But do you know what? He doesn't love you any less or more based on the things that you do or don't do. He loves you because his son came to die for you and now covers over you and he's fighting for you. Think about Martha, right? Mary and Martha. They're before the Lord. Martha's getting mad. She's mad at her sister. She's mad at the Lord probably for going on too long. Hey, we've got dinner ready here. Would you just quit talking so we can serve the food? And Jesus stops her, Martha. Martha. And actually, I don't even think of it like some people, Martha, Martha, what do you know? What a, no, Martha, Martha, come on. You're missing the best thing. You're missing the best part, sitting and just being with me. And so many times, I mean, this is for me, I'm just going to say this about me. Task-oriented people like myself, type A-driven folks like me, this is one of our biggest problems. I have a feeling Martha was a type A alpha gal, you know, right? She wanted to get it done. We've got a task. We've got to get this done. That's how we honor the Lord, right? Obviously, in this situation, that wasn't the case. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Anxious troubled about so many things. The Feast of Trumpets is all about victory through reliance on God. And as we wrap up here, when the people of Israel defeated their enemies on every side, it was clearly God who was fighting for them. And do you know why he made it so clear? He made it clear so that he could get the glory. <laughs> that he could get the praise for it, that he could get the recognition that it was him. Because in these miraculous ways where the Lord fights their battles, there's no, there's no taking credit as a human. And so waiting for the Lord, for him to do something that you can't take the credit for. When Jesus returns at the end of the ages and defeats Satan, he will win because he's God. Not because we're all riding beside him, helping him out, right? And so we have victory in our daily lives against the attack of the devil because of our closeness with Jesus. Not because we're righteous, not because we're doing it right, not because we're not doing this. We have victory because Jesus is fighting our battles for us. That's a hard one to get into our minds, right? It's hard to understand because we want to think, well, if I do it right or if I don't do this, then he'll like me more. Or he'll do stuff on my, or he'll bless me, right? No, he wants to bless you no matter what's going on. That's throughout the Old Testament. People that did terrible things, denied him, you know, did all these things against the Lord. And his desire was still to reach out, to draw them in hey, get close to me. 
And so today, as we think about entering into his rest, the rest that we have is because we sit at the feet of Jesus. Because we're listening to him, following him, doing the things that... If you're feeling anxious today, I, t- I encourage you, put your phone down, <laughs> turn off the TV, go for a walk, go out in the woods, whatever you're going to do, come sit in here and just rest for a minute. We have a real major problem with that today, don't we? We're so inundated. <laughs> I was watching a thing the skit guys do, and it was talking about fasting. And the guy was like, um, well, how about you fast for your, I challenge you to ch- fast for your, from your phone for one minute. And it was kind of a comical thing, but I was thinking about it. So many of us, how many times do we look at our phone today? Oh, I wonder who liked my thing today. <laughs> Somebody's, somebody likes me, they, you know, texted me something. If you're feeling anxious or these kinds of things, set the media aside and go get away from all of this and just sit and think and listen to what the Lord has for you. I guarantee you, he will have an answer. He will make a way. He will fight on your behalf. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you give us this picture through the feast of your desire for us to enter into your rest. Lord, I confess that I'm bad at this. I want to do, I want to make you glad and happy and think that you're liking me more because I'm doing all this stuff. Help me to rest, Lord, and to hear your plan and your voice in the midst of the turmoil. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.